0: Welcome to the House podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others, as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging, and life-giving. Be blessed. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? I really was hanging out for this. Uh, not travelling anymore, like most of us. And uh, being able to serve South Australia this last stint, most of the last 10 years has been on the road, interstate, A lot in New Zealand and overseas, but it's just so good to be home. And COVID for me has been uh, not a difficult time. As many of you know, I've had a health issue and a journey through cancer and a few other things with health. So I'm not allowed to travel anyway. And God has been so gracious because his purpose for our lives never leaves us, no matter how we outwork it. And uh, I am so excited to be with you. You are family to me. And really feel I have a word of encouragement for you this morning, but I'd like to start with an illustration that may sound a bit strange, but it is quite funny, but it's something that happened just about four or five weeks ago. I work at Life Adelaide, which used to be Victory Church, one day a week, and I preach there once a month. I'm based on the team for about 12 months, uh, helping out the team, uh, encouraging the staff and uh, doing... uh, evaluations of God's shape, and it's been a wonderful time, but uh, just a few weeks ago I had to preach and got ready in the morning, and when you carry a lot of health issues and you get to my age, you like slip-on shoes more than lace-up ones, <laughs> although I've got lace-up ones today, but sometimes just putting your, your feet in there, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's easier, you know, even though they're not Pentecostal shoes because there's no tongues, but... <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, terrible, terrible. There we go. But, uh, you slip them on. And anyway, I got dressed. I had to get petrol on the way. And when I arrived at church, I get out of church and I can hardly walk. And I'm thinking, oh, my condition's coming back. I can't bend my knees. I can't do things properly. I can't walk properly. I'm there through the worship. And I'm right enjoying the worship. And then I had to sit down. I was in so much pain And I had no idea I'd put my shoes on the wrong feet. (laughs) I got dressed at home and I put my left foot in the right shoe and the other way around. So I'm looking down during worship and my feet are like that. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I'm getting crippled. Something's happening to my body. And it didn't dawn on me that I'd put my feet in the wrong shoe. And I'm standing there feeling so awkward... And I guess the reason this morning is I felt awkward because my feet didn't belong in those shoes. The church is starting to become comfortable in the wrong shoes in the Western world because we don't belong in the spirit of the age. We don't belong in the way the world does stuff. And the church has been under attack through covid People turning around and saying, do you have to go to church? I think I'll do church online. And what happens often is the church ends up starting to feel comfortable in the wrong shoes. I'm sure if I'd hung on to those shoes and worn them that way, after a while it might have become a bit normal to walk like that. Not really. but, But sometimes we feel more comfortable in the wrong shoes than the right shoes when the spirit of the age affects the way we think. And this morning, I want us to get back into the right shoes and realise how awesome the church is, why God, on this Pentecost Sunday, I didn't know it was going to be Pentecost Sunday, I hadn't thought about it, God put this message on my heart to share with you, I love the church. I love the church, I pray you will fall so in love with the church again this morning in local church, not just big C church. I love Big C Church, I love the kingdom, I'm committed to the kingdom, but I also love what I see here this morning, the power of the connection of the local church. When Jesus ascended to heaven on that Pentecost Sunday, or well, we celebrate it today as Pentecost Sunday, he sent the Holy Spirit so that the church could be birthed and be a people that wear the right shoes because we're the answer to the world. We are the answer to a broken world. It's more natural to do things God's way than any other way. And yet we've learned to do it the other way, but we're coming home. We're coming back to the things that really matter about what the church is all about. And I prophesy today that the greatest days for the church are ahead of us. They really are. And COVID is not going to affect that. And so this morning, I just want to encourage us that, Um, God is speaking clearly right now. He really is. He's speaking clearly about what he wants. It was only a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, I said to God in prayer, I said, what's your priority? What's the thing that you want from us? What's the thing that is the most important to you? Because if we get on board with that, we can't lose. COVID or no COVID, what's important to you? And in my head came the thought, the great commandment, And the Great Commission. Now, over the last 20 or 30 years, a lot of modern churches in the Western world have tried to fill buildings to have bottoms on seats and buildings that are unbelievable, which there's nothing wrong with that. But in trying to build the Great Commission, I felt God drop this thought in my heart. You judge it this morning. We've lost the Great Commandment. And if we don't get the great commandment in order, then the great commission won't happen with the right why behind our what. And so I went and read many versions of that passage, but Mark chapter 12 verse 30 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important that you love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment Is greater than this. If we're going to fulfil the great commission, it must flow from a heart of the great commandment. There is a stamp on this house that I've often said when I've been here: "You're so uh, authentic in just loving people, and you love God and you love people, and and from there, the great commission can have an authentic impact on the world." We're not here to have bottoms on seats. We're not here to show off to others, look how big our church is. We're here to say, look how big our God is and what can happen in our community when we come from a place of great commandment, great commission. Now, I've grown up in different eras in the church. And I've been through a 25, 30 year era of where a lot of management teaching on how to manage church, how to to be leadership, a lot of leadership training. But what I've discovered in some parts of the modern church, that in chasing leadership, we've lost lordship. And right now, God's saying, back to the basics, guys. Back to the things that really matter, because everything starts with lordship. Can you imagine if every believer loved the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and then loved their neighbour as themselves? Loving God is about spirituality. What is spirituality? Loving God. I don't serve the church. I serve God through the church. Otherwise, people get hurt by church. Oh, I gave myself for five years. I never ever once said thank you. They thanked that person, but they didn't thank me. We're not doing it for thanks. We're not doing it for people primarily. We're doing it because we love God with all our heart, with all our soul. I'm doing what I'm doing today because I love God. Come on, let's give the Lord <laughs> and a praise. So loving God is spirituality. Loving your neighbour as yourself is ministry. The number of people that get screwed up about, where's my ministry? Love your neighbour as yourself. You get all the ministry you ever need. Because loving God is spirituality. Loving your neighbour is ministry. Then the Great Commission, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, is community. If we're not in the community, how can we make disciples of nations? I meet every Friday with a bunch of guys that are not Christians. I got my little church in a restaurant. We gather together and they ask me the tough questions about life. None of them are Christians. One of them said the other day, we're around the table, he goes, The effing problem of this country? He goes, They need Jesus. I go, how <laughs> he come around that? I thought, an interesting church. And so for me today, I want to say to you that I love the church. Lost my notes here, but here we are, iPad, I'm still learning. And so here we are, COVID-19 has messed up some churchian beliefs. And some people say, I don't need to go to church anymore, I watch online. If you're watching online today and you can't be with us, we understand that. Thank God for that technology. But we're not meant to all do church online. You can't read a Bible properly and see that Christianity can be done online by itself. We're meant to be in one place, in one accord, with the same purpose. God gives a church an, an assignment. The local church gets an assignment from God. And I'm talking to pastors all over this country, all around the world, where people are not coming back to church. People don't think they need to go back to church. Or I'm just going to listen to all the preachers. Why do I have to listen to one? Well, I haven't got time this morning to open this up. Maybe another time. But I found seven false prophets in the New Testament that are going to rise up in the last days. And if we're not in the proper place with the right people, we could be led into deception. And not even know it, because there's going to be a lot of deceiving spirits in the last days, and we need to be in the right environment, in the right people, with the right people, in the right place before the power can flow. Psalm 133, where brethren dwell, not occasionally turn up. Dwell. That means doing life together. Where brethren dwell together, in unity, there, not somewhere else, there. God commands the blessing. That word command in the Hebrew means financial blessing from God. And so God can bless our lives in every way when we're in the right place with the right people where the power can flow. And so this morning I want to take a couple of moments to share with you how excited I am about the local church. A lot of people are going around talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, well, do you think we should take the needle? And, and they, they're genuine questions. Please understand that. But what I'm discovering with some churchians is they try now, you know, now with the rats in Sydney, with all the infestation, are we living in the last days? Are these the things that the Bible's talking about? And look, they may be. I don't have all the answers. But I discovered many, many years ago a truth to live by that's changed my life. And that is stop trying to unpack the concealed and live by the revealed. See, a lot of people are trying to unpack stuff in Scripture that we can't guarantee. Does that mean this? Are we living in those days? Are we living... I don't really know. There are some signs. But my Christianity is not being designed to chase conspiracies. There's the revealed Word of God. And if I obey the revealed every day of my life... God will take care of the concealed. So as I'm meeting with non-Christians, they ask me lots of questions. And one of the answers they love from me is, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. But can I tell you the four answers I do have? Can I tell you the non-negotiable ones? And I start with the resurrection. And I talk about the resurrection of Jesus from a scientific point of view, as well as from a revelatory point of view. And they go, wow. I said, why did your son die? I can't give you the exact answer why. But can I tell you what? I do believe in the midst of that trauma. And as I give my four non-negotiables, I say to my non-Christian friends, I can live with those four till the day that I die and know that I've got a life of hope, a life of peace. A life of purpose. And I go, I don't need any other answers. These are enough. And they look at me and they go, wow. So we're sitting there. One guy's a very wealthy businessman. He says to me, do you know that port side church? I said, yeah, I do. Named a few pastors. I says, yeah, I know them. He goes, well, I used to go there. He goes, but they offended me because... I wanted to give lots of money to the church, and they didn't want to take it. I, I, I know why. I don't know where he got that money from. Well, I think I got an idea. Some of my Italian relatives. But anyway there's a difference between God the Father and the Godfather. There actually is a difference. And he, and he says to me, "I got offended." And I said, and you walked away from the God of the universe because a human being offended you? All the other non-Christians around the table looked at him and go, you idiot. You shouldn't be doing that. I had them doing my work for me. They were discipling for me. And I said, it's all about God. You see, when it comes to people, we all have a humanity. And we all have a personality. And we're not going to get everything right. I've got the capability of doing some great things, but I can do some stupid things. And so have you, I said to the guys around the table. The issue is not us, it's who is the God of the universe. And we're having these discussions every Friday. And it's been fantastic to gather. But I want to obey the revealed when I don't understand the concealed. And when it comes to the local church, we're told by God not to forsake coming together. So if the Bible says don't do it, don't do it. If I'm obeying the revealed in the Bible, I'm not going to argue over the revealed. So we read in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, let us hold now I'm talking to the converted this morning you're all here, but let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting as some people do, but encourage one another, especially as you see the day of Jesus' return drawing near. One good honest look at the Bible and you will come to the conclusion you cannot do your Christianity in isolation. The Lord is my shepherd is personal. Every one of us has to have our own personal revelation that he's our shepherd but he's our father, which art in heaven. It's got to be both. It's got to be my shepherd and our father. And when those two work together, something powerful happens because we weren't meant to do life alone. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Batman had Robin. We're not meant to do our Christianity in isolation. And so this morning, my purpose is to get you to love the gathering of the local church. I'm not trying to do it to get people back to church. I don't think we should have ever left this, no matter what happens, COVID or no COVID. You see, I believe with COVID, some people... Um, feel like I didn't get it. I don't get it anymore. I didn't get from the church what I thought I was going to get. To the church, I don't go to church to get. I go to church to give. I go to church to give the God of the universe my worship, and I go to church to give to everybody around me <laughs> the encouragement that I can give. So, according to Scripture, the church is a community of Christians. Now you're going to have to hang in there because I'm going to read through some stuff now, right? Okay. According to the Scriptures. The church is a community of Christians who care for one another, love one another, host one another, receive one another, honour one another, serve one another, instruct one another, forgive one another, motivate one another, build peace with one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, pray for one another, confess our sins to one another, esteem one another edify one another, teach one another, show kindness to one another, give to one another, rejoice with one another, weep with one another, hurt with others that hurt with one another, and restore one another. How can you do that online? How can you do that online? How can you go home and shut yourself away and do that? One good look at the Bible Our gifts are not given to us to show that we have a ministry. Our gifts are given to us to give away to others. We're here for one another. Going through the cancer journey, I'm having major infection issues. At the moment, I'm not allowed to be around a lot of crowds. And In the last week, we were having a a pastor's gathering, and during that, my eyes filled with blood. They thought I had shingles in my eyes because of my infections that I'm going through. It happened to be an infection issue and and a conjunctivitis issue through my low immune system. And I went and got help. And and as I'm driving there and my body is really weak, I'm thinking, why don't you retire? Why don't you just stop? You've had a good innings, 65 this year. Retire. But how do you retire? Retire. When you've had a view out of Romans chapter 12 of what he's done for you. In view of what he's done for you, present your body. Oh, Pastor Danny, I'm with you in spirit. I'm thinking of you. Now Romans 12 says present your body. I was reading that just recently because that's my favourite chapter in the Bible, Romans 12. And the thought came to me that presenting our body means visible service. If I present my mind, there's no visible service. But when I present my body, it's a visible service. No one should serve in a church because they have to. Only if they want to. And if we get the great commandment right, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, love your neighbour as yourself, we will want to. We won't have to. Oh, I suppose I need to go and help out. I'm tired. Yes, I'd rather get tired doing what is right then get tired doing the wrong thing because the wrong thing will break you down. But when you do what is right, you'll break through. And I came out of that hospital thing the other day and I thought, how could I ever retire? I can't retire. There's no such thing as retirement because in view of what he's done for me, the view will determine what you do. No view, no do. And so I realised, wow. And so as I look back over my life, I have had nothing but a great experience with the church. People are knocking the church left, right and centre. People are saying the church is irrelevant. There's a new generation now rising up. I get nasty letters from some young people, I only had it this week, where they're attacking the institution called the local church. They're listening to podcasts. They're listening to stuff on whether hell still exists, whether the Bible really is the authentic word of God. And so all this stuff is going on. And on one hand, young people are checking out. They're so deconstructing that there's nothing left in their life. Because they're not constructing with their deconstruct. And there's other young people rising up hungry. Oh, we want the truth. And I want to tell you, the church has made some mistakes the church has got a lot of reinvention to do across the world in what we do deconstruct and what we do construct. And how do we make the great commandment, great commission? There's going to be different styles of churches rising up all over the world. And as long as the great commandment and the great commission is being fulfilled, it doesn't matter whether there's 50 people, 100 people, 5,000 people, small church, big church. It doesn't matter. Are we fulfilling God's priority? Our son, Michael, was working at Edge Church and he felt God challenge him and his wife to give up their salaries, good salary, writing songs, songs that were going to go all over the world. And God wakes him up in the middle of the night, the same night he wakes up his wife, wants you to go to Port Adelaide and lay your life down for the indigenous people of Port Adelaide, primarily and then anyone that comes start feeding the poor, sold his home and as an Italian father watching your son sell his home, you're thinking he's making a huge mistake. But he sells his home, moves down to Port Adelaide and miracle after miracle after miracle, as I stand before you this morning last week, he made 900 meals for the community. The local mayor, the police. (laughs) Here's a son who broke... A son who the whole world got to find out the story of his brokenness and with tears running down his face with his wife in my home. Dad, I want to take the journey of my brokenness and help the broken. The police know the story. He hasn't hidden his story. He works with the prison system. But anyway, out of the blue one day, a friend of the family uh, was leasing a warehouse down at Port Adelaide. and They said, Michael, we felt God's told us to give you the warehouse and we'll pay for the lease. So you just use the warehouse. So HelloFresh is giving 4,000 meals a week, I think, or $4,000 worth of food a week. Sorry, dollars, not meals. And people are coming from all over to donate for this charity to help the poor. So this week, three days ago, he says to me, Dad, pray for me, because the owner of the warehouse, the owner of the warehouse is coming to see us, and we're afraid that the owner may not want us to do all the things we're doing, even though we're subleasing it or people are leasing it from them and giving it to us for free for seven years. So he rings me up a little later. He goes, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what's that? He said, the owner of the warehouse walked in, saw what we were doing, teared up, and said, oh, every Friday night I go out with my church, she said, to feed the poor in Gawler Place. And... Um, I do it with my church. My son said, which church? She said, Life Christian Centre in Angus Street. And she says, wow. He says, wow, I'm glad you do that. He goes, my dad preaches there occasionally. She says, who's your dad? He goes, Danny Guglielmucci. She goes, ah! (laughs) She starts crying. She goes, my husband grew up with him and when we he had a major accident where a lot of his body went up in flames in a major fire so he's he, we didn't think he was going to live for about 6 months it was touch and go we bought this warehouse and said maybe one day god would use it and maybe a church could start in that warehouse but we had no idea and now you Danny's son who he grew up with my husband Come here. I didn't know you were his son. Do whatever you want. Build a church in this place. Go for it. So the indigenous people of Port Adelaide have come to Michael and go, even though you're feeding us every week, we want spiritual food. Will you start a church for us? It's literally miracle after miracle. Now, You're not called to do that. We can't compete anymore. We've got to complement each other, knowing that there are many expressions of the church. But as long as the great commandment and the great commission is being fulfilled, then we should not separate from the church, the local church. We need to come in alignment with the local church. And so when I look at my life, the local church has been a great blessing in my life in ways I cannot describe as I've said here in one of the messages many times ago some of you may remember that the stink inside the ark was better than the storm outside <laughs> sometimes we can find stink in God's church and go what's well, human beings we make mistakes but it's better than the storm it's better than wearing the shoes on the wrong foot We've got a value system that's better than the world. The name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Proverbs 18 verse 10. But Proverbs 14 verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. Our suicide rates have gone up. Young people are depressed. Mental illness has gone crazy in our world. And right in the midst of that, if the local church... Applies the Bible version of how it should be, we become the hope of the world. And I'm really excited for Life House in Murray Bridge. I've been all my life in the church. I went to church nine months before I was born. <laughs> At the age of 11, I had my first encounter with Jesus. Spoke in a language that I'd never been given in a prayer meeting full of old people. I was only 11. All the people in the room were about 30 years old. They were old. (laughs) My dad was the pastor. My mother putting me to sleep saying, you don't have to keep praying in that language. It'll still be there in the morning. (laughs) I didn't want to lose it. At the age of 11, at the age of 16, I met my wife. At the age of 18, I was married. I still find it hard to say that. At the age of 19, I served in my local youth group. In, the early, in my early 20s, we opened our home to have a home group, which ended up with 250 young people coming through our home over a year. So we had multiple campus home groups. We'd start a home group, then start another one three streets away, and then another one, four corners, and I put 10 fingers up, four corners, came to do a documentary on why young people weren't taking drugs anymore and they were meeting in community. Did a whole story on it, Channel 2, Four Corners. We opened our home. we just married. We only had a small little house at Ingle Farm. But we opened our home to love on young people. In 1975, we lost our first child. I remember the doctors saying to Sharon, you're going to need some extra help after miscarrying. And they were quite rude and nasty to her. And I went to the hospital and they were very cold towards us. And I was, we were just had been married a year and a half somewhere around there. We lost our first child. It was a Wednesday. I'll never forget it. When I left the hospital, I knew there was a prayer meeting on at the church. So I drove to the church. As I walked in and we started to pray and worship, the presence of God started washing over me at a time of loss. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm so glad I'm in this family. I'm so glad that these people can gather around me and love on me. During those early years, I'd started to journal. I've been journaling now for 40 years. Every day, I go into the Word and I journal. I remember one of my early journaling scriptures was Acts 27, where Paul is caught in a storm. And he says to the prisoners that are on board the boat, and I'm going to move along quickly so you, many of you know the story. He goes, you're all going to perish unless you stay in the boat. And I remember reading that passage of scripture as a young man and getting five keys for my life, which I won't give you now, on what happens when you go through a storm. Didn't know that all those years later I'd lose a son. Didn't know that all those years later I'd go through cancer. I didn't know what was coming. But I get really freaked out when Christians go through stuff and the first thing they do is leave the church. I think, why would you do that? Stay in the boat in the midst of a storm and I've done it for 40 years and it's made me a better person because I've stayed in the boat. When Chris passed away, I knelt down by my bed a few weeks after he'd gone. I said, God, I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go for help. I don't know what psychologist I need to go and see. The pain of losing my boy and let me tell you five years later, it's still there. I said, God, what do I do? He said, what about listening to the sermons you've preached to everybody else? Because if they're not worth it for you, they're not worth it for them. I went to my box of sermons, had boxes of them, and I pulled out the first one from 1983, something, 84, and it was that one, stay in the boat in the midst of a storm. Five things that Peter, uh, Paul said to those prisoners, and I read them. I got on my knees and I said, God, I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to stay in the boat, even though the pain is so deep. And in the back of my head, I've shared this with you before, a voice came and I trust you. I go, what, you trust me? Yes, I trust you to finish your race. Not to be a disgrace, but to finish your race. To not allow bitterness and hurt and pain to rule your life. And I'm telling you today, I'm so glad I was surrounded by the love of the church. I remember the day, and I've shared this with some of your leaders, I think, I'll just move along real quick, but I remember the day I was at home preparing a message and I felt in my head, change the message. It was a Friday night service, you need to preach on Psalm 84. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than stand in the tent of the wicked. To cut a long story short, I went and Uh, prepared a message on that i get to church on friday night i said to my pa just on the off chance can you get me psalm 84 in the message version and she goes sure no problem as we were about to start the service my son michael says dad at rehearsal this week we wrote a song on our knees in prayer it's psalm 84 i'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the lord than stand in the tent of the wicked and i went freaky and gave mike get up there and sing it straight away I jumped afterwards and said to the church, Church, you've got to understand. I had no idea. Something has to happen here tonight with this. God just doesn't do that stuff by chance. At the end of the service, a young lady runs down to the front, bawling her eyes out. She goes, Pastor Danny, I've only been a Christian a few weeks. And you know what? My life's been pretty messy. And I've been asked to go to the Greek islands. And I've been asked to go there. I'm a photographer to film a gay wedding that's happening in Greece. But afterwards, I've been asked to stay on and it's just going to be party after party after party for quite a long time on a boat cruise. I've just become a Christian. and I don't want to be arrogant and think I'm better than anyone else. I love my friends, but I don't think I'm strong enough to handle the temptation. I'm only a new Christian. And I've said to God, what do I do? And all I got in my head was Psalm 84. So she goes, I go and read it. And it still makes no sense to me until you tonight read it in that other version of the Bible, which was the Message Bible. And it says this. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than to be honoured as a guest. In the palace of sin. Now, if she wasn't at church, that moment wouldn't have happened. And that moment happened and she goes, Pastor Danny, a thousand people in the room. And God picks me out and speaks just to me out of a passage of scripture that doesn't word it like that in the NLT. But I just happen to read it in the message. Remember one day, I'm ironing my shirt, I'm running late, so I only iron the front. <laughs> and I'm, as I'm ironing it, I'm getting words of knowledge. And so as I'm getting words of knowledge, I'm only a couple minutes away from giving you just a few points in passing. So anyway, I am ironing my shirt, I get these words of knowledge. There's going to be someone in church today, they've been told the church is a cult. They've also been told that uh, God doesn't speak anymore today and so on and so on and I gave a list I get up I start to speak at church I'd been gone from edge church for years so this particular woman who was listening to me preach didn't didn't even know I was the ex-pastor she said to someone who's the old bloke speaking this morning (laughs) a bit offended (laughs) and so I'm telling the story of ironing just the front of my shirt the front of my shirt the front of my shirt and I'm thinking to myself get over it just get on with the message At the end of the meeting, she comes running down the front, talks to Karen White, one of our pastors. I said, who's the old bloke speaking this morning? Because my husband died two months ago. He only used to iron the front of his shirt. And the whole family would joke about it. I said to God this morning, if you're real, say something to me that's specific to me. I was told that this place is a cult. And I asked God to prove to me that it wasn't. To cut a long story short, that lady's still serving Jesus today because of the power of the local church. Let me wind up by just saying what the church has done to me. Take your time. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's put up on the screen if we can. What the church has done for me is I've needed the church's number one atmosphere, if we so I've needed the church's atmosphere. What I've just talked to you about is an atmosphere where God's supernatural power can work. That doesn't happen at home in front of a TV set. Yeah. Number 2, it's been an adjustment for me. I've gone into church thinking something and something's preached. You're not going to be unchanged if you go through the book of Romans in your next theme. The word of God has adjusted me. Put things into perspective. Number one, it's been an and to me. Every tragedy I've been through, I've had the and of the church. You're my and. I'm your and. We need each other. It's friendship. I've needed the church's ad in my life. See, they all start with A, see? It's got to be God. I've needed the church's ad. I need my prayers to be added to yours. Sometimes I don't know how to pray, but you can. The man that was carried on a stretcher had no faith of his own, but four friends had faith for him. We need the add of spiritual faith. We need the anointing. Without the anointing that in a moment, I believe I've said something here today that somebody's sitting here going, wow, he's speaking straight to me. Why? Because it's called the anointing of God, of when brethren dwell together in unity there. God commands the anointing to come down. I've needed the churches. Next one, assignment. If we understand that our church has been given an assignment and we all get on board with that assignment, 57 wells in Zimbabwe built. First time in the history of Bulawayo, not one child died of cholera because our local church decided to be on assignment together. And as we put our money together, the Australian government gave me $8,000 for every $2,000 I could raise. Federal government. And as a result, for the first time in the history of that part of Africa, no one died of cholera. I've got it on video where Tim Costello, who was the leader of World Vision, made a public statement that living water had been given to an entire village. If everybody does what they want... People will get little bits. But when we come into assignment, I've needed the church's atmosphere, its adjustment, its and, its add, its anointing, its assignment, and I've needed its amen. Hey, Danny, what you're doing is keep going. Hand of God's on your life. I need that amen. We all need the amen. Pastor Josh, Pastor Belinda, keep going. We love what's on your life. We love the assignment on this house. I love the church. I've needed it. amen. Success is a long obedience in the same direction. And I've been to some pretty bad church meetings. I mean, I grew up in the Italian church. Can you imagine what that's like? When my auntie felt the presence of God in front of the whole church. She'd go, Woo! wouldn't bring my friends to church because the ambulance would take off. <laughs> the testimony times that went on for ages. My grandfather that would pray the same prayer every Wednesday night that went for 20 minutes and we would count down when it was going to come to an end. But I'm still here because I got to do my granddad's funeral. And when I did his funeral, I realized, never criticized anybody, loved people, loved church as religious as he was, he loved Jesus. And I think, what a testimony. I did my mum's funeral in December. On a boat, leaving Italy as a young teenage girl, having found Jesus, a whole month on a ship, arrives in Australia, her and my dad start a church. Watched her go through all kinds of pain, pain, Leaving her family behind. But at her funeral, I said, My mum never walked away from Jesus. Number two, she fought through every trial and hung on to Jesus. And number three, she's left me a pattern to live by as a mother. But you would have never met her. She never stood on a platform. She was the loudest singer in the church, but she was out of tune. But I was able to say things at my mum's funeral that I can pass on for generations. I love the local church. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that when you said you'd build your church, no amount of attack on that pattern of one another is it going to stop the church being the church? You might not build our version of church, but you'll build your church. And I know this is a local church that wants to build the great commandment and the great commission. So Father, as we close in prayer today, we declare, I can say it on behalf of most people in this room, I know. We love your church, Lord. We love our church, Lord. And help us, Lord, to value what you value. Help us not to bash the church. Help us to build the church that you said you would build and that you died for. While every head's bowed and every eye closed today, just very quickly as we come to an end. If you're here today and for some reason, actually I feel there's about three people here today, that in the past, and and I share this a lot because it's the truth, church has been a disappointment, not necessarily this church, but the institution. Church has been a disappointment. And yet in your heart, you know that there's answers you need in God's church. Number one, sorry if you've been hurt by a wrong model. Sorry if disappointment has come. But please don't dismiss what Jesus said he would build because he builds you through it and uses you in it. But maybe today you've never even started a journey with God's church because you never started a journey with Jesus. And Jesus will never let you down. He will never fail. And if today you are not walking with jesus he's not part of your worldview. you know you don't think that what would jesus do in my situation it has no relevance to you and you say if god is so real and if the church is so real and if jesus is so real i'd like to start a journey walking with him again or for the first time and you say pastor just pray for me that that journey will start well and that I will go on that journey. I'd like you to slip up your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. And I'll just pray for that journey to be your experience, a good experience for you. Is there anybody this morning? I'm just looking around. I'd just like to pray. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Yes, thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand. That's awesome. You can put your hands down again. I felt there were going to be at least three. There might be just one more person this morning that you just feel like I need to engage again with not something that will hurt me, but something that will heal me. You need God. and You need his people. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Father, I thank you for this dear people today. I thank you for Life House. I thank you it's a house that brings life. So we're not just using a name. It's a prophecy. It's a declaration. May everyone that rose their hand and all of us in this room just fall in love again with what you said you would build is the future is awesome. This region cannot reach its destiny without Lifehouse being here. And So we thank you that it's more than just carpet, but we need the carpet. Thank you for this stewardship campaign that I didn't know about. But Lord, I pray that as we give to that, it's because we're creating a great house for people to come and feel. It's their lounge room, they're at home. Thank you for this amazing house, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to infolife.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Life House. God's house, our home.